0: In a moment, we'll open God's Word uh, together. I remember back um, years growing up, family road trips. And one small part of those road trips, it seemed like for our family anyway, was stopping whenever we would cross the state line, stopping at the Welcome Center. And often that meant a picnic lunch, which when you grow up in the Deep South, it's about 100 degrees with about 300% humidity, and so I don't look on those days fondly. But I remember at the Welcome Center, and, and with Internet and Google, things have changed, but at the, at the Welcome Center, you could get information on the state you are entering, and there would be these important cities and these special sites to visit and a map and brochures. And today is a little bit... Like a welcome center to the life of David. So over the next several weeks, I want to take a look at the life of a person in Scripture that is talked about regularly. We're calling this heart condition, and we won't cover all of the life of David, but we will cover the portion of it, Lord willing, that's in First Samuel. And so what should we be looking for? So we're coming to the welcome center. What's what's going to be important on this travel through the life of David? What are the potential things we could learn from and grow? So I've chosen three passages, and and Jenny's going to read those this morning. And on a map, they would be like maybe some of the three main cities to explore. At least they're going to give us somewhat of an orientation. One of those is in 1 Samuel, one's in Psalm 78, and one of those is in Jeremiah 23. So, Jenny, if you could come and read those for us. 1
1: Samuel. 13, 13 through 14. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. The second passage is Psalm 78, verse 70 through 72. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And finally, Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and 6. Behold, thank you so much as we read the story
0: of david one way i want us to see that story is that it is a story of grace so my prayer is as we walk through passages like even the ones that were read today that we will see this is a story of grace it's a story It's a true story told over the scope of many chapters in the Bible, but it's still a story. We have Psalms from David, but the main things we know about David's life come to us, come to us because they're told in the form of a story. Actually, major parts of Scripture that God wanted us to have, to know more about himself, come through story, and I'm not sure we always process that. So the fact is we could learn a lot through lists, but we have a lot of stories in the Bible. We could learn lots of things with rules and regulations, but we actually have stories, and that is the life of David, and stories work a little bit differently. So if you're reading the story of the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, you don't read that to get some tips on what you should do if you ever encounter a talking lion, that's just not the way that story is working. There's so much more going on than that. And when I, watch, when I watch Remember the Titans for like the 150th time, because that's what you should always do, you should always watch it, I don't watch it to like get a couple quick coaching tips. No, the story is before you. And, and so we, we handle stories differently. And so I, I, want us, I want us to get more out of each of our weeks in the life of David then distilling a few life principles that might be able to help us a little bit on Monday. That might be good. But if we live in the story, that will be so much better. What should you do with the story? You should remember, I should remember that stories have characters and those characters kind of form a plot and with the plot often there is foreshadowing and with foreshadowing there's kind of a conflict that arises and then there's a climax to that conflict and then there's some resolution that that takes place after that so you ask a different set of questions when you come to a story you're asking the question like what is the struggle here and and what is revealed about the characters and do the characters change? Which ones change? Which, which ones don't change? Who gets what they're looking for? Who doesn't? How does it all resolve? Does it resolve? So, so you see, with the story, we're, we're asking some different kinds of questions. Stories are meant to even make us think a little bit more, especially good stories, are, are made to push us to think more than, like, who's the hero and who's the villain? So it might be easy to go to a story like we'll encounter with David and go, okay, be like David or definitely don't be like David. But so much more is going to be going on that that you would miss if that's the only thing you took away. Actually, the characters in this story, the story of David, are pretty complicated. So Samuel is a complicated character, as is Saul. Saul. And then you you throw in David's brothers, and you throw in Goliath, and you throw in David's friend, Saul's son, Jonathan, and you throw in Michael, David's first wife, first of many. And you realize even David himself is a pretty complicated character. But what you're going to see is this, not only is this a story, but it's a story of grace. I love reading this. It's a story of grace because we begin to ask questions when we meet David in 1 Samuel 16, we ask the question, like, where did he come from? And and it would be a fair question to ask, like, what did David ever do to hold such a prominent place in Scripture? His name is mentioned all the time. What did he do to earn it? What did he do to deserve what God did in his life, to be remembered that we're still talking about him all these years later? But if we ask what did David do to earn? We're asking the wrong question. Because grace isn't about earning. And God writes stories of grace. What we find out is David, by God's grace, was God's choice for the people of Israel. David didn't just follow this trajectory. He was God's choice. But we heard that a moment ago, Psalm 78. In verse 70, it says, God chose David, his servant. God took him from the sheepfolds where no one was expecting a king to come from. From following the nursing use, he he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. And when God raises up a shepherd or deliverer, it's never about who earned the right to play that role. It's always about God's grace. That will always be the backstory. Nothing but God's grace could have brought David to where he was. Grace played out in David's selection when I, when I thought about this. And again, we're, we're just kind of introducing a, a character. Maybe you know a lot about him. Maybe you know a little. Maybe it's been a while since you've thought about his life. But I was thinking about David, and you remember even the first story. We'll probably talk more about this next week. But the first story of David's life is that his own dad kind of treats him as an afterthought kind of has, oh yeah, I do have one more son. Yeah, come bring David. No one is looking for David to be chosen here by God. It's a story of grace, so much so that David's going to ask questions like this multiple times in this story. Who am I? Who am I? Even his family was not a prominent family. I was thinking about So David's father was Jesse. David's grandfather was Obed. David's great-grandfather and great-grandmother were Boaz and Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite widow. Boaz was most likely an old man who maybe never would have thought he would have an heir. This is just an unlikely scenario that gave us David... Something that no one would expect, this is the way it would work out. And even the time of this, when when this happened, so if you just kind of follow Bible history and Bible chronology, you realize this was one of the worst times in the nation of Israel. They had many tough times. This was not at a highlight. This kind of comes at the end of the period of the Judges, which the, the end of Judges is Horrific. And then they, they have a king named Saul, the first king of Israel, and that doesn't go well at all. And it's, it's kind of the most unexpected time, and all you can write about it, whether you look at David as an individual or David's family or even the nation, all you can say is God's grace is at work here. So what, what does God do? You, you have to start with David, not as the king of a regional superpower, but start with David as the unimportant, unrecognized, unnoticed shepherd. And you realize, God doesn't just look for the blue chip athlete or the merit scholar. God isn't just like have have his eyes zeroed in on the young people with promise program that will just kind of churn out his deliverers. Actually, there's a different starting point because grace isn't about earning. So God often looks at the unimpressive, the disappointing the disadvantaged, and the least of these, and says, watch me show grace here. Often it's not the first in line, it's the people who don't get noticed. God starts, well, what is your starting point? So God starts with the the struggler, the one who is hurt and confused. God starts with a wanderer. God starts with the one who may be tempted to overpromise and under-deliver. God starts with the person who It's found in sin. God starts with a person who is ashamed. God starts with a person who's a sufferer. And the story of grace, whatever your starting point, whatever my starting point, the story of God's grace is this, that God sees and God chooses and God loves and God cares and God sends his son and God redeems and God buys his people back and God rescues and God works out his plan. God shows grace. God always writes a story of grace and he's writing many stories of grace in this very room today. So when we look at this story of the life of David, I want us to see grace. And I hope, I hope grace is a part of your story. I hope you don't look at even how many years you live and talk about it as if it's just the summary of all your achievements. I hope somewhere along the line, grace has gotten very, very personal to you. I hope you've come to a direct encounter. I, I don't know that everyone has in this room, a direct encounter with Jesus who is God's initiating of love to a people who desperately need it? Have you personally responded to the invitation to turn from your sin, but also all the good things you've done that you were trusting to be enough? Have you turned from all of that and turned to Jesus Christ? Have you looked at the grace of God on the cross in the person of Jesus Christ, who's there for us, for our salvation? Do you hear Do you hear the grace-filled invitation to a new life that comes through the resurrection of Jesus? Do you hear Jesus inviting you to follow, not putting you on the treadmill, saying, earn it, earn my grace, earn my reward? I hope our church is a congregation just known, known for grace because we recognize all of our stories, however far we want to go back are not a celebration of all of our achievements. But I I can be quick to extend grace to you because I know God was very quick to extend grace to me. I hope our congregation is that way, where we're quick to love, quick to care, quick to enter into life, even tough life, even messy situations. We're quick to work for reconciliation. We're quick to look for redemption. We'll fight for the rescue of people. We'll enjoy seeing, uh, there it is again, God is up again to doing this story of grace that he's so good at. And all of your, over all of your life, I hope you see grace and I hope you see it written all over David's story. It's a story of grace, but most good stories take time, and this is no exception. This story of grace takes place over time, and we, we need to recognize this. God's work often is over a long period, an extended period of time, which isn't to say he can't work instantaneously. He does that. He's quite, quite good at doing that. But, but more often than not, I see God's work over longer periods of time, and that's good news to us. I, I, I want us to take the long view. The picture of David is, is somewhat of a unique one. As I've studied, you recognize that we pick up David's story as a teenager, and it goes all the way, almost every decade of his life is pretty well covered till the time he dies. There's just no other character in Scripture quite like him in the coverage we have of his life. And we see something over time of this roller coaster that David is on. That's because over any of our lives, over time, there's just going to be a lot of stuff going on. If you've lived any amount of time, you begin to realize over time, I take steps forward, but I often also take steps backward over time the story that God is writing is one maybe where you're young but then you start aging and then you're old and God is over time writing that story of grace. There may be over time you have great, great strength where you can do whatever you want to and yet over time you have health issues that greatly limit what you might be able to do. Over time you have the heights of life where like everything seems to be going well, and then the depths of pain where it all seems to be falling apart. This is what life is. And God's story of grace isn't just like this moment in time. It's actually over time. Over time, you are going to be the victim at times. And over time, you're also going to be the one causing pain. That's the way your life is going to go. That's the way my life is going to go. Over time, I'm going to look at some periods and go, I I am just enjoying, I I might say I was lucky, but I'm in church, so I'll say I'm blessed. I'll say life is easy, things are going well, and then I'll have other times where I go. This doesn't feel too lucky. I feel like the deck is stacked against me. I feel like my life is not blessed, it's cursed. This is what life is going to be like over time. There's going to be times where you're with people a lot, and times where you're very much all alone, times where you lose everything in times where you gain more than you ever thought you would gain. There's going to be sometimes simultaneously areas where you are godly and your life is also very dysfunctional. This is life. And you start weaving all this together. And this story can be a reality check because at any moment in David's life, if you read it, you freeze frame at certain moments and you go, This is a this is a mess. But over time, you see, God is writing the story of grace. And you might have walked in today where life could not be more of a mess if we were just the freeze frame right here. God has a lot to teach us. He has a lot to teach me about patience and endurance. And that only takes place over time. And we'll get some of that with David's life. And it will all be grace. Over time, what God is going to draw our attention to in David's life is actually his heart. His heart. Our heart matters over time. Whether you followed the Lord for weeks or months or years or decades, God is always interested in your heart. And actually, our attention is going to be drawn to David's heart. That's why in a passage that was read earlier in 1 Samuel 13... Verse 14, God seeks a man after his heart. Psalm 78, David is known for one who guides Israel with an upright heart. First Samuel 16. The Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. That's the way we look. But God looks on the heart. And the heart matters. And one of the real spiritual benefits I see of us walking through this life of David is that our eyes will be drawn to what's going on in David's heart and what is going on in ours. God's word can act like a mirror or like a a giant flashlight or maybe even as a cleansing agent when our heart is just not right. This is what God's word can do. David, this man after God's heart, And that's going to show up in so many ways. God's story of grace over time. And we see David's heart in this story of grace. We we see him pursuing God's heart. He turns to God in his suffering and sin. He's not perfect. That's not what it means that he's pursuing God's heart. But it does mean he, he says, I'm sorry a lot. And he says, Lord, I need you a lot. He fights the enemies of God. Life doesn't go perfect for David, but he has that heart of God that hates the evil that ruins and messes up this world. He's a man after God's heart. He leads God's people in worship. We'll see different instances of that. And that's, that's not why life is perfect. It's actually while life is complicated. His life is a struggle and he rules over God's people in peace. He actually fights so that God's people can live in peace. Where is your heart in this? That's part of the reason for the series of heart condition. Like, what is the condition of our heart? We're going to hold up God's word and go, okay, I see what's going on in David's heart, or I think I see it, but actually what's going on in mine? David is a central character in Scripture. So literally, you kind of open your Bible, and in the middle... The book of Psalms. So, right at the center, you're going to read poem after poem that David wrote for the worship and the prayers of God's people. And David's story kind of sits as a centerpiece. So, you have God's people coming out of Egypt as tribes, but then they come together as a nation and then they, they begin to decline. But David's story kind of sits there right at the center. And the promise to David of a king who will rule forever sits at like right at the heart of God's promises to people. One thing I've noticed about David, and again, if we're just kind of getting the lay of the land, surveying what's going on in the story of David, is that so much of it is incredible, yet so much of it seems unsatisfying. And it doesn't seem like the story of David resolves. So you, you watch his rise in 1 Samuel, but then you realize David sins on a grand scale in front of everybody. David makes unwise decisions. David struggles. David's family just completely unravels. And as you're reading, it leaves you not resolved. David faces betrayal and rejection by family and friends. Even the story of his death as an old man Like something doesn't seem right about that because even that initiates this power grab of which of his sons is going to take the throne. And it just doesn't seem like that's the way the story of David should resolve. Solomon turns from, his son turns from so much of what actually made David David you don't see in Solomon's life. And then you go one generation beyond that and you actually have the nation of Israel where King David is the king of it all actually begins to disintegrate. And something says, this isn't the way, like someone like David, this isn't the way it should end. Scripture just kind of leaves us waiting for something more, something better. And I find it regularly connected, interestingly enough, to David. So Isaiah will say, we are looking for the day when David comes and rules. And Ezekiel will say, we're looking for a son of David to come shepherd God's people. And Hosea will say the same thing. And Amos will say the same thing. And Zechariah will say the same thing. And even Jeremiah 23, we read it earlier. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. That day is coming when when a descendant of David will come and he will reign as king. So something better is coming Because someone better has been promised and it's connected to David. And so in all of what we're evaluating, David is that story of grace that takes place over time that is pointing to Jesus. It's what you learn as you read about him in scripture. God is showing us more than just the life of one man. Through the story of David, we are being prepared and anticipating the arrival of someone greater, someone better. Sometimes there's this thought that the story of Jesus and his new covenant can just be unhitched to everything that's come before. But that actually isn't the way the Bible presents the story. Do you know how Jesus Christ is introduced in Matthew 1, 1? When Jesus is introduced as the Messiah, it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ The son of David, the son of Abraham, he's arrived. The son of David that all the prophets were looking for. He's come. Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 3, son of David, son of David, son of David, city of David. Romans chapter 1, you want to know about the gospel, and you've got to know about this descendant of David in the flesh. You go deeper into the story of Jesus, and you hear people crying out for healing. It happens in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So it says in Matthew 20, behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And they could have easily said, you're a great healer. The one who feeds 5,000 hungry people, the one who walks on water. But what they say is, you're the son of David. We've been waiting for you. We've been praying for you. We've been longing for you. The crowd rebukes them, telling them to be silent, but they cry out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. You kind of go through all of Jesus' ministry, and Jesus comes into Jerusalem in the last week of his life. We call it Palm Sunday, and there's praise like he's the Messiah, and you can hear what they say in Matthew 21. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees. They spread them on the road, and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? Who is this? This is the one who, like David, was a deliverer, but this one, this son of David, is the deliverer. He is the one that God has promised. This Jesus is the only one that is worthy. Unlike David, who has had a heart for God. This one is perfect in his love for God. Perfect in his holiness. Perfect in his wisdom. Perfect in his justice. Perfect in his grace. Perfect in his power. Scripture comes to a close. There's like this scene in heaven, like where where are we going to find someone who's worthy to rule the world? And there's like this... Vision in heaven of people weeping, going, what's, what's going to take place? Who can rule the world? And in Revelation 5 and verse 5, it says, One of the elders said to me, You don't have to weep anymore. Take a look at the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. The root of David. He's conquered so that he can open a scroll and its seven seals. Scripture is going to tell the story of David, and we're going to listen as carefully as we can to that story. But just remember that we should be looking at David, but looking forward as David points to Christ. So Jesus is our Lord, the son of David, who always did the will of the Father and did it perfectly. David points us to Jesus in that Jesus is our Lord who fought the enemies of God the big ones like sin and death and Satan and hell and the grave and emerge victorious in that fight for you and I. David is going to point us to Jesus Christ, the one who leads God's people in true and pure worship. David, is, as we look at him, we're going to be pointed to Jesus who rules over us as God's people in peace. We're pointed to Jesus. Jesus. So I look forward to all that God might have to teach us. But I want to end by asking you to pray a couple of prayers as we enter in this week after week of looking at the life of David. So one of those prayers would be this, God, teach us and encourage us by the life of David. Teach us and encourage us by the life of David. So that when we look at him, we walk away knowing this is a, This is a person after God's heart. What grace God showed to David, surely he will show grace to me as well. Teach us and encourage us. But then another prayer I want us to pray is God, use my life to write a story of grace that over time points people to Jesus. God, would you use my life? I know you use David's. But in a similar way, would you use my life as I humble myself before you? Would you use my life as a story of grace that over time will point people to Jesus Christ? I'd love for us to pray those few prayers and we can, we can do so even now. Can I ask you to bow your head? Father, I thank you that you've given us stories that don't, airbrush all the unpleasant parts out so that we're left with perfect people. So thank you for giving us the the raw story of David, which is so encouraging as well as troubling. And as I look at my own life, I'm often encouraged and troubled by what I see there. So thank you for the help and the grace that you are going to give as we look at David. Teach us and encourage us. Encourage the person that thinks maybe their story is just too complicated and too messed up. I pray that they would see your grace in David's life and they might recognize you are writing another story of grace. And Father, in all of this, we don't want ourselves to get glory. We don't even want our church to get glory. We want the chief shepherd of our church, Jesus Christ, to get all the glory. So point our, point our hearts to him as we recognize that your grace is greater. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.